Star Force. Um, this is the fifth sermon I've written this week. <laughs> so, I think that I finally got in tune with the, got the right words, right sermon. Uh, if you never put sermons together or do lessons and stuff, it's hard to explain, but uh, um, it, 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 it's just kind of I told Brooke this morning, it's, it, for me, it has to click. And that click means, in other words, I have to have it more than just my mind. It has to, uh, it has to hit home here. Um, it's, it, to me, it's, uh, you know, everybody that teaches or preaches, we're held to a higher standard. And so when I go home, I expect to be held to a higher standard. And I expect... I, 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 I don't want to, um, we may get things wrong from time to time, and I, I know God's got a lot of grace for that, but it's a, it, it, it's a, a framework. If, if we continue to do things wrong in our lives, then God will not allow his grace to cover those things because we are held accountable. Each and every Christian is held accountable. And today's message, as we, as we get into it, it's about apostates. And a lot of people don't understand apostates, but uh, we'll talk about that and explain a little bit. But it's clear that before Christ and during the Old Testament, there were a lot of apostates. And, of course, at that triumphal entry, when Jesus came in on Palm Sunday, which was to the day, according to Daniel 9.24, prophecy was fulfilled, he allowed that time, that what he was doing, that we do not have to live in sin, that we have a way out. And all of you all of you have heard this, you all know that. And for the apostate, they continue to live in sin, although they may try to understand the knowledge of Christ, they may try to, to get there, but they are not there. And most apostates will come into a church today, in the, in the Old Testament, in the Old, before Christ, they were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were apostates. And Jesus was allowing that us a way out of that and in the church today the church is a full of apostates in fact there are denominations that are just nothing but apostates in other words they have the knowledge of Christ they have an understanding of Christ but they refuse to go to that knowledge and understanding and live that way they're not saved and there is a deep part of hell that they will engage in they come to this church periodically I see them quite often. Some of them may be sitting here this morning. I don't know your hearts, but the ones I see come and go and see their lives, it's clear by the word of God what they are. They're apostates. And so <clears throat> when putting these things together, I try to take great time because I don't want to confuse people. I love when if I hear the children like to hear me preach. They like the toys I bring out. <laughs> they like the skits and the props. They like that stuff. But you know what? That's how we learn, isn't it? So if we can... If, if people, if these young kids are learning, then everybody's learning. And some of you say, well, boy, some of your messages are kind of over and over again. Well, you're a little more mature. Hang in there. <laughs> We've got to keep this church going and, and get every single person. So uh, anyway, uh, battle force. Uh, I've had the one word force all week, but I couldn't come up with the way God wanted it to give it out to you. And I think we finally have uh, got that. And we're going to figure this out this morning. Um, there's a song I want to play, and it's, uh, it's not much words to it, and it's out of, the, out of the movie called The Passion. 
And uh, because this is Palm Sunday, and this is the song that uh, uh, some of the words you hear would have been uh, in Arabic. And then Jesus speaking in the Garden of Gethsemane before that. That. Uh, Sorrowful, sorrowful, even to death. 
Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is a few days after the triumphal entry. You know, what apostates will do is they'll see these words. And maybe even in their mind, and their intellect, they'll form them in their hearts and try to believe them. But yet they don't. But to the Christian, this time of year is the most wonderful, important time of our, of our Christianity. It's what we're about. Without this Passion Week, which started today, back in uh, A.D. 30, in the month of Nisan, ninth day, it's a wonderful thing that we have exact records, isn't it? Exact records. From the time of Daniel, which in 924, which would have brought this prophecy into place, it was 483 years that he prophesied that this took place in the exact time he said it would take place. Our God is an organized God. He's a loving God. But he's a God that will not put up with our sin. Amen? He gave us a way out. He gave us a way of freedom. And so for the church for the ones that have knowledge of him, for us to trample or to, to think shallow of what he is and what he did for us is an act of complete, you put your word to it. I'll say rebellion. We're not understanding or we're not caring enough to understand why and what Jesus Christ is to this world, to this complete creation. I don't ever want to take it for granted or take it shallow. I want to go as deep as the Lord wants me to go. Amen? Amen. It's our job. It's our calling to get where God's asking us to go. It is. I'm not here to play around with it. Although I do love to have fun. But we're to go deep into God. And I want to read this verse to you in verse 39 a little bit. Again, and, and I want to emphasize it a little bit because... Do you think for a second that Jesus told his disciples to go over there and just hang out? Go over and hang out for a while. Go over and just do whatever you want to do for a while. Now I'm just going to go over here and say a few words to God, my Father. It's no big deal. Just, just <laughs> try not to sleep, will you? Just hang out, will you? <laughs> no big deal. See, the church today... You say, well, no, 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 I see churches all over the place. They're really doing it right. No, they're not. No, they're not. I get, I, get, I get those things every single week that shows me they're not. I get people calling here that want to live in sin because it's the particular sin they like, but they want to be spirit-filled. Figure that one out, will you? When you get it figured out, let me know. Now, they may be spirit-filled, but it's a spirit filled of demons, not of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? I don't care how eloquent they read the Bible, how eloquent they speak, how eloquent they dress. I don't care. Because you cannot live in sin and trample on the Spirit of God and the grace of God and think that he's okay with it. It doesn't work. It will never work. It shall not work. 
And a day will come when they will be judged according to what they have done. They trample on the triumphal liberty like it's no big deal. And they live an apostate life and try to convince the whole world that we are wrong. The church is wrong. They are right. It's a new church. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen? Why do I get excited about this? Because when I look at the words in red, and I see these words, and I see these, I see more than words. I see a, a, a God that truly loves me. And he emphasizes it. And he says, you can take these words in red and do whatever you want with it. But I'm telling you, if you'll go deep with me, you'll see me in the Garden of Kissimmee. You'll see me in that triumphal entry. And you'll see the apostates. And you'll know to be aware of them. And not only that, shun them. In verse 39, he went a little farther after he left him and said, pray, pay attention, this is an important night. And he says here, he went a little farther and fell on his face. What is it like to see the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the God of creation, your Savior? What is it like to see him fall on his face? After a great triumphal entry just a few days prior, and everyone coming to him. And he knows that they're all going to turn against him. He knows there's none good. He knows it. But yet he'll choose to fall on his face and pray to his father that what is about to take place upon his life, upon his physical body, that it can be done. And he's okay with it, even though he did not have to do it. But because of his love, he did do it. It says there, he's, his face and prayed saying, oh, my father. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. I want you to go back a couple thousand years. And I want you to look in that garden. Because see, you're the ones that are off to the side. You're the ones that are off to the side. You're the ones. And maybe he's walked away a little bit farther. You're not really, you're so tired, you're not really wanting to hear, but, but maybe you can just hear. How do, you, how do you, you think Jesus prayed that night? Was it just, oh, my father? Was that it? Or was he so sincere, so full of love, and so full of, of what's getting ready to take place, and the whole world is getting ready to change. A new beginning is getting ready to take place. And he cries out, oh, my father! Oh, my Father. I just want to shake when I start to feel that and understand what he did for me, what he's done for humanity, what he's done for his creation. It's all oh, my Father. If it is possible, if it is possible, if there's any other way than what's about to take place, Father, if it is possible, can you see the human part of him? He's 100% God, but he's 100% human also. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Pleading with God. As many of us plead with God in different situations in our life, we can plead and we can cry out to him just like Jesus did. He's showing just like he is. Oh, Lord, if it's possible, if this, if this death or if this thing that's taking place in my family, if it's possible, would you please let it be passed by me? 
Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And aren't the wonderful words? Wonderful words from our Savior. It's up to you where you take God's words and where you look at them deep or you look at them shallow. But I can promise you, the deeper you go with God, the deeper he goes with you. Amen? The battle force. There's a force of evil and a force of good in this world. That's why Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane that night. That's why the church exists. Because there is a force of evil and a force of good. One will devour you. Everybody know that? Say, yeah, I know that. Everybody here has been devoured by it in one time in their life, or maybe many times you've been devoured by it. And it devours you into darkness and more darkness. We had a had some people this week reach the church and ask us if they could come to church or they're moving in the area. But they had a particular sin. They wanted to know if we were a church that that believed in it was that homosexuality was a choice no i believe it's a sin like any other sin i'm sorry we're all recovering sinners amen and uh, as they went to look at our 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 thing what we read and whatever they replied back and said they don't think they'll come here you know what i'd love them to come here they have no idea the city also told us that they weren't willing to give up this particular sin, but they wanted to find a church that was filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you, if you've got a church filled with people that are not willing to give up their sin, it's full of the Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Don't you be fooled. Don't you go into the world. Don't you be fooled. It's no matter what the sin is. It doesn't matter. If it's a church that are people of church of congregation that are not willing to give up that sin, they're apostates. I don't care what they tell me. I don't care. Because I know what the word of truth says. It says we don't live in willful sin. That's what it says. That's what Jesus says. Don't argue with me. Get on your knees and argue with God and see who wins that battle. It says we will not live in willful sin. See, we got this battle. It's a force. It's, it's, it's hard to deal with because in this time, in this time of our lives, in this time of the world, the church is upside down. I preach on this constantly because I want you to be aware of it. And we can almost get so confused as it tells us in the Bible that some will be fooled and turn away at the end times. We can all get almost confused that I can't believe God would do that. I can't believe God would do that. You better believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're in a trouble in your heart. There's a force of evil and a force of good in this world. Believe that. One will devour you into darkness. It will make you believe things you thought you could never believe. The other will set you free. It will set you free. Amen. I'm not going to be held accountable to you people. I'm going to be held accountable to the Father, the God in heaven. And I will dare not go to heaven and not preach the word of truth with power. I don't care what they do to me. I don't care because the truth is the truth. You've got to handle it. Before Star Wars, everybody loves the movie Star Wars. 
That was back in 1977. I'll get on a little lighter subject here for a little bit. Back in 1977, that was like, wow. See, we didn't know technology back then. We still dealing with eight tracks and cassettes. And when they didn't work, you just sprayed something inside there, and all of a sudden the music it was beat on it a little bit or something. It would work after a while. And the bigger speakers you get in the back window of your car, the better it was. I think I got a lot of hearing damage because of that. But back there in Star Wars when that came out, that was an amazing thing, wasn't it? Now, I know all you young people, you have, what? That movie's not even that good. Yes, it was. Trust me. It was back there with the extras, extras and that spitting stuff back. It was good stuff. It scared you to death. And also when that Star Wars came out, you didn't notice the Star Wars was what about, about what? Good and evil. What's it about today? Good and evil. What's the whole world about? Good and evil. Nothing changes. Good and evil. Good and evil. They, they, they take the, a lot of things nowadays, they want to take the good part and, and let, give man more glory. But the battle in the Star Wars was against a force of evil and a force of good. And of course, the force of evil outnumbered the force of good. And the force of evil, they did a lot of destructive things. And, and you just wonder, well, how do all those people follow that force of evil that wants to blow up planets and do all the kind? Well, they still do today. <laughs> they still do today. So there is a force of evil and a force of good. Now, on those movies like that, we can look at it and say, that makes sense. Before Star Wars, a long time ago, God opened the gates of heaven and sent his, only, his one and only son to bring victory over the forces of darkness. In his death, the battle was complete. Everybody say Amen. But in his resurrection, a new force brought eternal life and victory for eternity. Everybody say amen. amen. Yeah. Now, wouldn't that be cool if they'd have put that up there on the, them running things? They, they got anything on the Star Wars, you know how they ran that thing down through there? Wouldn't that have been cool if the force of good would have been the Lord Jesus Christ? Because, see, that is the only true good force there is. Now, they use the good people like Luke Skywalker and something like Jedi Warriors and all that kind of stuff, which I don't have any. I just... Uh, Lucas's imagination, which made him billions of dollars, by the way. It's just his imagination. But yet, he had to get it from good and evil. And good was always what everybody was fighting for. It was like the underdog, wasn't it? It was always the underdog. But today, it seems like the underdog, which is good, the church, the right church, it seems like we are the evil ones when we truly are not. It's called end times. <laughs> Believe it. It's right here in front of your face. And this is a, I wanted to start here because I wanted you to understand something. I got a timer running here. It says 52, am I done in 51 seconds? <laughs> this is out of 2 Chronicles 2017. I, I want you to stand and read this verse because I want you to understand what the battle's about. You will not need position Second Chronicles 2017. You can be seated. Don't leave that up there just for a second, John. 
There's a, there's a battle getting ready to take place. And this is what God gave Israel at the time. There's several other good verses before this in time, but that's not where we're going today. But I just want to, want you to, I want to open this up for you a little bit. You will not need to fight this battle. You don't need to fight a battle for God, okay? You don't need to. God can handle fighting his own battles. Quit trying to fight every battle that comes your way. That's God's battle. But it says position, position, position. There's a word there, position. Get familiar with God's word. Position yourself that you can see the battle, that you can see God fighting the battle, that you don't have to fight because God is God and he can fight the battle. Amen? Don't go into sinful's world. I said that last week. I'm going to continue to repeat it. Quit going in there. Stand back. Let God fight the battle. Make sure you're in the position to see God's glory through the battle. Your faith will increase. Position yourself and stand still. In other words, what? Do nothing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and see it. Watch it. Watch his glory work. You say, well, this country's a total wreck. This politician, that politician, I don't like none of them. I ain't looking at them. I'm going to look at Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the only hope we have. I read Franklin Graham almost every day, and every day he says one thing. Jesus Christ is the only hope this country has. Everybody repeat that. Jesus Christ there you go. There you go. You want this country to change? Start praying for a great revival. That's where we need to be. It will not change with another man. They're all too power hungry. You ever notice why they never get out of politics? Even when they're 80 and 90 years old, they want to stay in it. They can't do without the power. I don't want a man like that. I don't need it. I want Jesus Christ to rule. And the reason this country is in a total wreck and a total mess is because we have allowed liberalism and allowed things to throw him out of everywhere. Position yourself and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is what? You. Are we all in a battle in our lives? Absolutely. Take the country out of it. You got your battles with your kids your in-laws, your unlaws, whatever they are, you got battles. Some of you got lots of battles. You got battles within your own lives that you keep trying so hard to correct. The problem is you keep trying. That's the problem. It's always the problem. Quit trying, turn it over to God, and let him have it. I'm not done yet, please. <laughs> Who is with you? S Amen. Satan will always try to get you to believe you're doing something wrong. Even though because it looks so much like the world and so many other churches are doing something different. They accept so much. Are we sure we're doing it right? We're called a remnant remnant there was 5,000 at Elijah's time that were left 5,000 out of a whole nation that were still not bowing down to Baal which is a false idol a false god I'm telling you there are not too many of us left there may be a few million out of billions there's not many of us left you have got to fight to the end amen 
And that fighting is positioning yourself where God wants you to be, allowing him to use you at the opportunities that he sees fit, and then be used. Does that make sense? All right. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, that's the church. Oh, church, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, I, tomorrow, go out against them. So we what? We position ourselves. We go out into the world. This is a world we have to go out into. We can't just hide in here. We have to go out into it. But because we are positioning ourselves and knowing that God is going to fight these battles, and he is the battle force, he is it, go out against them, for the Lord is with you again. He repeats that twice. Is with you again. That's not hard, is it? Go ahead, please. The stakes in this epic battle, the stakes in this epic battle are not for possessions or pride. That's what most battles are fought over from one country to the next. They're looking to get possessions or pride. And, and today it's economics, it's, min- it's money, it's financial things. That what, that's what drives power. The more financial, the more economics, the more they can control. And I can tell you something else. A country that's 17 or $19 trillion in debt, we're fooling ourselves, folks. You're fooling yourselves. We're done. You're done! The only hope you have is Jesus Christ. You can't keep borrowing money from the communists and think something's going to take place. You're done. The only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. The only hope. $19 trillion. I don't even know how many zeros that is. I'm going to get off the politics. I just can't help myself. The stakes in this epic battle are not possessions or pride, but your very soul. See, we get down to, to us, us individuals. This battle is down to our very soul. When, when Skywalker comes out to fight his, his Dark Vader, which ends up being his father, what a twist and turn that was back in the day. Luke, I am your father. What? How could the darkness be the father of a Luke Skywalker, the light? How in the world? See, because although Dark Vader was not always Dark Vader, he once was light, and what? Went to darkness. But he once was light and went to darkness. You don't lose your salvation, folks. You never had it. You never had it. The battle is real and taking place now. See, this is not somewhere out in the distant future. It's now. It's in your life. In this battle, your conscience, your conscience will be instructed and guided by either the force of evil or good. Everybody have a conscience? Yeah, you know that conscience, if it's not under Jesus Christ's authority, it's under Satan's authority in the flesh. And that conscience will direct a lot of things. It absolutely will direct a lot of things in your life. To have a conscience that had a new beginning, a new life, and it's of light. It's of total light. And when my conscience tells my flesh the flesh you're wrong the flesh has to listen it may not obey but it does listen and i'm sure a lot of your consciences tell you daily when you've done something wrong because the holy spirit's in control of your conscience amen now either he's in control or something else is in control because see there's just good and evil haven't we declared that enough by now good and evil that's all there is your conscience will be instructed and guided by either the force of evil or good the Holy Spirit are a burning desire of the flesh. Now, I wrote this sermon five times. I finally think I got it right here. 
The church needs to learn that it has already been made what? Triumphant. I, I have already been made triumphant. It took place 2,000 years ago. When he come through those gates, it took place then. It took place then. I don't have to keep trying to make excuses for the church or keep trying to do things. God does everything with the church. Amen? He is in control of the church. It's not my job to be in control of the church. It is his job to be in control of the church. It's not your job to be in control of your life. You are the temple of God. It's his job to be in control of your life. If your life is a mess, it's because you have been in control way too long. Way too long. One of the things that disturbs me the most is when people come into my office and say, oh, life is a mess. I got this problem, I got that problem. I said, well, okay, let's talk about it. We talk about it. We find out that they've been in control. And I said, you've got to turn this over to God. Oh, I can't do that. Well, why'd you come into my office? Why'd you come? You, like you like the way your life's been going, do you, that much? Well, just keep having habits then. Well, Pastor, don't be mean. Well, what do you want me to be? Let them be, say sweet, kind words. You just do better. The universe will take care of you. You get up and smile three times a day, look in the mirror and say, I can do this. I'm telling you, the universe has got you. Is that what you want? Is that what you want to hear? Or do you want to hear truth? The universe is owned by God. It has no power over you. And your life, if you continue to allow yourself to control it, to fight every battle that's taking place, instead of turning it over to God completely, then have at it. Go get in the gutter a little farther. Go get there a little more, and I promise you I'll be there to lift you out when you're ready to get lifted out. I promise you we'll be there. But the first thing you've got to understand is that you're living in willful sin, and that's called apostate. Holy Spirit, our burning desires of the flesh, the church needs to learn that it has already been made triumphant. Go ahead, please. Am I there? Okay. Now listen to this. This is triumph. I got to get going. Dang on it. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. This is Jesus coming through those gates that morning. He goes and he gets the colt. He tells the disciples there's a colt over there, and nobody knows about the colt. Boy, well, how'd that happen? And somebody gives him a colt, and he comes over and he's going to ride on this little donkey or whatever it is. And he gets on there, and, and it's he gets on there, and, and they start laying down their clothes, and they start taking out palms, and they they start laying it down before him. All of Jerusalem, all of them, people are there. They're there coming over for Passover, and they're. The town is just full of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. The Romans are scared to death. The Pharisees can't stand what's taking place. And here comes Jesus, and nobody can stop him. Amen? Nobody can stop this God-man. Nobody can stop him. You know why? Because he is the power of God. Amen? There's nobody at the gate say, Jesus, don't come in here. They can't do it, even though they would have known what was taking place? Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. Great miracles were taking place. Everybody was talking about it. And here comes Jesus with his disciples. And here he comes, just like the scripture says from the prophecy of the past, that it will happen on a colt, and it will come in, and they will lay these things down. It will be a triumphal entry. And here it is, taking place on a Sunday, the ninth of Nisan, 483 prior. The prophet Daniel prophesied about this, and it took place. It happened. And a very good, very great multitude spread their clothes. What's a great multitude? Lots of people, amen? More than 150 like we got here. 
Thousands took place in this. They were excited. For three years, he had walked and done his ministry throughout Galilee and all through there, Samaria and all there. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Man, they were being bold, weren't they? Boldness was taking place. Then the multitudes who went before him and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, the son of David. And that means Messiah. They were claiming him as the Messiah. Right there, they claimed him as the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Now, we're still preaching and teaching on the same exact things. We're not changing the words at all. And people still have to answer that question, Who is this? Each and every person that's ever lived has to answer that question, Who is this? The same few words. And all of you, the ones that don't know Christ here today, the ones that are living an apostate life, only though you're not even sure what that is yet, you've got to answer, who is this Jesus to you? Who is he? Well, I can tell you, he's the Savior. Don't you know? Don't you know? He's the Savior. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in a few days from here. He's the Savior of mankind, of all human life he is the savior and these words have been written down for thousands upon thousands of years written by eyewitnesses not a fairy tale not a fable not something written 900 years later after it happened but when eyewitnesses were alive wow go ahead please having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water go back to that verse a few verses again a few minutes and having a high priest I have a high priest this is Hebrews now this is after the triumph entry this is, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews maybe Paul maybe Barnabas we don't know who wrote it but we know, we know that they wrote it with eyewitnesses telling them the stories. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You can't overlook that. In James chapter 4, verses 8, that draw near repeats itself. James, the first, first book in the Bible in the New Testament. You can't overlook that. It says draw near. Draw near. What does, it draw, what does draw near mean? What, what, does that mean you draw near for today? What, 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 what does it mean? Does, it, does, a, does a Christian just draw near on Sunday morning? The great, beautiful music that Brooke and some of the other people do up here? You just draw near and you feel, I feel the Spirit. I hear more people, one of, the, one of the most wonderful things I hear when people come to this church, they say, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, because you've got people that are full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's why you feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's who we are. And if you don't feel the power of the Holy Spirit when you go to a church, I suggest you run. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. See, it's not an apostate heart. It's not a heart that's just trying to get knowledge or, or some kind of understanding. It's a true 
heart. A person that hadn't been saved by Christ, that he's not your Savior, he's just a figment of something you want to make up in your mind, something you think and hope that will help you get through this terrible thing that's going on in your life, well, you're never going to get this because you can't draw near because your faith is not ready to be drawing near. You have to do it with a true heart. You have to have a changed heart, a new life. I love this stuff, guys. I just love God's word. I love it. It's, it's our life. It's our life. And for you that will not live by this word of God, your life is a total wreck. I don't care who you are. There's a comedian. I'll tell you about this last week. I'll tell you again. I'm going to tell you his name this time. His name's Jim Carrey. The guy that makes all the funny faces and stuff. Going to that college and telling them how successful they can be and how wonderful they can be. Look at me. I've got all the money in the world. I've had several wives. That's what the Fonz used to do, wasn't it? Hey, look at me. Don't you want to be like me? I got millions of dollars. Well, I got a few heartaches, but the money overwhelms the heartaches, folks. And let me tell you, I've got it all together. So you college folks out there, if you want to be like me, just ask the universe. Just ask the universe. What a fool. And a fool standing up talking to more fools. Those college kids should have got to have them walked out. But our colleges are infiltrated by fools, by apostates claiming to have some knowledge of God, but never living by the power of God. Fools. Am I being too mean? It says here, and having a high priest over the house of God, over the church, let us draw near with a true heart, a true heart, not apostate heart, but a true heart in full assurance of faith. And this apostate heart, let's go back to it one more time, a little bit more. Let's say, everybody that says, I believe in God. Amen. And many people say that, but yet they don't walk into a church. They don't live by any word of God. They have no idea what the word of God is, but yet they believe in God, and they think that's going to get them in the gates of heaven. They're not even going to get close to the gates of heaven. They're never going to get close. The world's full of them. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. That's the blood of Christ. It sprinkles from an evil conscience. In other words, the evil conscience that I had before I turned my life over to Christ and allowed. So we use that word allowed. Isn't this a choice? God gave us a free will. You can look at it in several different ways. But I turned my life over to God. And my evil conscience disappeared and our, a new conscience started to form a new way of looking at life nobody told me to do this or that nobody had to tell me to do this or that because the holy spirit moved in and the flesh moved out amen everybody awake am i boring you today teenagers are you awake am i boring you today all right if that's so we'll put you in children's church and bring the little children out here that like to listen having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen? 
Isn't that wonderful words? Let's go on to 26 here. Take me over, please. For if we sin, everybody say that word. For if we sin, for if we sin, for if we sin, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sacrifice for sins. You've turned it down. The most dangerous person on the planet of this earth is an apostate. An atheist, they don't believe in nothing. They're not dangerous. They may yell and scream a little bit. They're not dangerous. They don't believe in anything. But an apostate that has known the truth and refuses to live by the truth, refuses to surrender that truth, is a dangerous person. And my, my friends, it's your politicians in the church today. Why does the church rise up? Because they're right with the politicians. They're dangerous. Why do we need Jesus Christ so desperately to revive this country? Not revive it in economics, not revive it in military power, but revive it by the word of God and the truth of God because that's our only hope. It's always been our only hope. It's our only hope. It's all of the hope we need. And for you sitting out there that think that can't happen, you're wrong. Let me tell you something. If God wills it to happen, it will happen. Jerusalem would pray over and over, and Israel would pray over and over and over go for God to come back and correct these wrongs. If we stand, God will correct it. See, we have position. The church has to be in a position to stand and watch God work. After we receive the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation will devour the adversaries. See, the hell's where you're heading. That's where apostates are heading. Right? They're going to devour them. That's where they're heading. That's where some of your loved ones, I got loved ones that are heading right there. They're apostates. You know why? Because they live in willful sin. You can't tell me that you'll do away with all your sins except for one sin. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me you want to hold on to a particular sin and want to be Holy Spirit filled. Have fun with that. I've never seen it. It's not going to happen. You can be demon-filled, you can be self-filled, but you will not be Holy Spirit-filled. And I don't care how many people attend that church. I don't care how many praises to the Lord they give. They're not a church. Amen? This is a church. You know what I read constantly from other pastors? Pastors, preach the truth. That's what I read over and over and over again. Preach the truth. Preach the truth. Why do you think so many pastors are crying out for that? Because the truth is not being preached to the multitudes, but to the remnant. So I'm telling you, church people, people that love Jesus Christ, the, not, the non-apostates, preach the truth in season and out of season. Preach it at the ball fields. Preach it at your job sites. And let me tell you, you can preach it at your job sites. Quit fearing for your job. Is God controlling your job or is he not? If you're fearing for your job, then you're allowing God not to be in control of what's taking place. Have sense with your job, but don't fear the replications of what you might preach. Let God control that, even if it looks dire to you. Let God control that. Quit trying to control it. 
We've got to get moving. We've got to get moving to this world. It will devour its adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's how it was in the Old Testament before Christ. Oh, how much worse punishment. Grab this first, folks. Oh, how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Can I have a couple of people up here? Please. It can be three, four, I don't care. Come on up here, right here on stage, will you? Regina, I can always count on you. Now, what I want to do here, I'm like, I'm going to give you this. I'm not giving that to Regina. I don't dare trust her. I'm going to give this one to you. I, I'm sorry, but you're Dark Vader today. <coughs> now, Ashley and Todd, Todd, would you... Would you kind of just lay down right there? Uh-oh. <laughs> Ashley, come here. Now, you and Miss Dark Vader here, you go with him. Now, don't hurt him, okay? Oh, okay. Don't, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Okay. Now, I want you to sling that out. There you go. Sling yours out. There you go. You got it slinged out? Now, the, the trampled part is you trampling. You got it? Go ahead, trample. Mm. Now. Should I take my shoes off? No. <laughs> Ask Todd, not me. How's that? He'll probably like that. <laughs> it says, are the worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot. So what this represents is you're trampling God. You're trampling his word, his truth, and all the time you're trying to fight against good. And Regina, you're the church. You're supposed to be praying for all this that's taking place because you, you see this fight going on. It's a terrible battle. This, do you all believe this really takes place? Guess what? It's taking place in your life every single day. The problem is the darkness, the evil, is so much more than the good. Only we have God on our side. Amen? See, when you live in an apostate, you're trample. You're trampling the Word of God. When you come in this church and you try to think you're living for the living Word of God, but you've got other, other priorities and you've never accepted God, you're just trying to fool yourself and fool others, and it happens all the time, and they don't stick around very long, maybe six, seven months, a year or two, and they're gone. It happens continually. They're trampling on the Word of God. And all the time, this is taking place. And it won't end until the day of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. An epic battle of good and evil. Now we can play around, do a little thing here like that. But the problem is, that is really taking place only a lot more fierce. What is your life worth to you? Am I out of time? What is your life worth to you? What is your soul worth to you? What is your soul worth to you? He said, my life? Well, I can tell you what Jim Carrey's life is worth to him. He's asking the universe for more life, for more abundance. 
but his soul is trampling on the word of God. When he said, ask the universe, he's saying, make the creation your God. Make it your idol. And however you want to do that is fine. That means his soul is lost. He's not even an apostate. He's nothing. He's just a man with a lot of money and makes funny movies. Whoopie doopie. Tell that when you go to God, to that throne room. Use that for the excuse. Well, how much worse punishment? That means there's different degrees of hell. You can go to other places in the Bible and find that. Do you suppose will be, the th be, be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Counted the blood of the covenant by which we, he, he was sacrificed a common thing. A common thing. See, when we look at God, we look at the Easter coming up in the world. They make it their Easter bunnies. I was in a, in a, in a mall uh, somewhere, the other, Valparaiso the other day. I was watching. There was this big Easter bunny. Oh, he was so cute and funny. And it's like I was sitting there looking at that and little kids around the Easter bunny. It's like how many kids know Easter is just an Easter bunny? Now, I'm not, I don't have anything against the Easter bunny. You do whatever you want. But see, if you're not teaching the kids what Easter really is. See, the world is still embracing that because it brings in money. They're not embracing what Christianity and what the true resurrection is. They'll narrow it down to Easter bunny and eggs and candy. But for us, our children, we teach them the truth. Amen? If you go over there, what have you, a lot of you doing? They're teaching them wonderful things and they'll be the next disciples and apostles growing up. Amen? Some of them are brought better witnesses than a lot of us. In verse 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine. That ought to scare you to death. It ought to scare you to death for your loved ones. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Why do I push us to go out and do missions? Why did ball field? We've got to do the ball field first. We get that down. God's going to lift somebody up in this church to start a great missionary adventure in this church. But if we can't go out and, and mission, do missions around Nineveh, we're not ready to go anywhere. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. That's why we do missions. That's why we go out. We're called to go out. We're called to go out and spread the word of God. Next week is Easter. Have you been praying over who you might invite? Have you been praying over somebody you might invite will take you out of your comfort zone? Have you been praying that way? Will you please start today? A, a loved one, a family member, a friend, a co-worker that you know doesn't want to hear the word of God. He says, well, they're not going to come to church. Well, if you'll pray, you'll pray earnestly. Believing without doubt, there's a real good chance they will come, or at least to another church. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. What's God, what's God going to repay? He's going to repay you for all your sins. Not the church. We're being judged on our, on, our, on, our, on our spiritual gifts, our works and things, which is not really a judgment. It's what we've done for him. But everybody else will be judged on their sin. And it's not going to be good for them. Because vengeance is mine. I will repay. Who's going to repay? God's going to repay. We're back to stand still and let God take care of it. Amen? Says the Lord, and again, the Lord will judge his people. 31, it is fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Wow. It is a fearful thing. Church, if we can't figure this out, if we can't figure out that it's a fearful thing for our loved ones to fall into the hands of the living God. And do everything we can, get into your war rooms and start praying harder, more precisely, more directly. 
Vicky's got a sister and a brother that are burning a path to hell. The brother's an apostate. The sister's nothing. Do you think she's not praying for her families every day? Of course she is. I've got them in my family. They think they know all about God. They think they're living for God. But they live in willful sin, which tells me there's something wrong with their heart. I don't care who you are in here. If you're living in willful sin, there's something wrong with your heart. Maybe backslidden. I don't know. But there's something wrong. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Go ahead. Give me the last few verses. So therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. That's that conscience thing. Don't, don't cast it away. When other people are coming at you and say, you guys are too judgmental. You're not tolerant of anything. And you're just too, you're not clinical correct at all. I don't want to be. I want to be God-centered. I want to do everything God's way. And whatever that looks like to the world, it's never going to look right. Amen? It's, you're never going to be friends with the enemy. The enemy wants to do what? Devour you. You say, but they're my loved ones. They're on the other side of good and evil. They can be your loved ones, but you still have to look at it. They are not in the same place you are. They do not have a clean heart, a new heart. The way they think, the way they act is different than the way you should. I was going to use this little principle in another sermon, but I'm going to use it right now. Now, I know I got to get done. I know. I, I grew up at a time when we, you'd watch movies, old black and white movies. Come on, some of you older people, raise your hand. Now, some of those movies were made in other countries. And sometimes the words would come out, but the lips didn't match. You ever see, Mike, I know you know, you die, you know, right? How you doing? I love you. See you later. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Apostates, you're just like that. You're just like that. <laughs> your video doesn't match your audio. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the what? The promise. The promise of eternal salvation. Amen? That just ought to thrill you to death. Now, from the Garden of Gethsemane, the triumphal entry, the Garden of Gethsemane, all the way to apostates, you've got to ask yourself, am I with God? Am I truly with God? Is there sins that you just have hang on to over and over again? <laughs> and you're letting the world, the flesh, letting Satan, the demons, fool you to believe that? And you think the church is just too hard-nosed, too strict. If you're believing that way, you should be fearful of your soul. Fearful of your soul. If you're not willing to give up the pride of life, you need to be fearful of your soul. If you can't get away from sin that is destructing your life over and over again, you need to be fearful of your soul. I'm telling you, there's a Lord that created the universe that I go to in prayer. 
And when I get on my knees and I pray, sometimes I have to write these sermons five times. But my goodness, he always answers because he's waiting on me to catch up with him. (laughs) He's not going to give you anything until you're ready to give it. Amen? You know why? We couldn't handle it. We have a loving father. He, the night in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said some beautiful words. He meant every word. Just because we're living in the world 2016 doesn't make him a small little God. He is a huge, big, wonderful Savior, and he's coming back for his people. Are you his people? Let's stand. Words for the week. The man who... <clears throat> you gave him the words for the week. Good deal. Say it again. The epic battle over darkness was defeated by a triumphant Savior. Question for the week. To which force have you placed your alliance? To which force have you placed your alliance? That, my friends, is your question to answer. I'm going to open up the tables. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you truly know you belong to Jesus Christ, that your heart is ready to go home, that you're not living in willful sin, because, see, if you're living in willful sin, you need to get on the knees first and get that over with, get that out of your life. And then to go to Jesus in baptism to proclaim his glory in your life. Come and enjoy this day. I need you more. More than yesterday, I need you.
trying to open something up for you. Praise him. Honor what he's trying to help you do. Your conscience is messing with you. Something just messing with you. Praise God. He's not giving up on you. He's a loving God that wants you to have a wonderful life in abundance. Not by the universe's power, but by his power. Not by chance, but by through and through his glory. Praise God. Next week is Easter. I'm asking you to invite somebody. Not a church person. A person that doesn't go to church. A church person will go to their own church. And praise the Lord for that. But invite somebody. A family member. Have them over for lunch afterwards. Whatever. But get them here. Get them here. Get them in an environment of who God is in their life. Get them in this environment where they can see the Holy Spirit's power at work. Will you do that, church? Say amen or something. We'll be adding a lot of chairs next week. Some of the white chairs will be in the back. Some of you, please sit in the white chairs so the other people can sit up. Most of the people are going to want to go to the back. If you sit in the back and sit in the white chairs, they got to come forward. I can really look at them. So next week, don't worry about the chair you're in. Sit towards the back and let the new people, if it's a family member, then sit with them. But bring them here and some of you sit in the white chairs. Prepare your hearts. Position yourself for next week. It's a wonderful opportunity to tell people the truth that the world does not want them to hear. I love y'all. Enjoy this week. Praise God for your life. Put smiles upon your faces. Enjoy the life God's given you. Have a blessed time with it. Some of you have been blessed more than others. If that's such a word, to be blessed by God is to be blessed by God. Enjoy the things God has given you. Let's stand. Lord Father, we come before you as a church. Father, asking for your, your deep love to be implanted through each heart. That this week, Lord, you put a burden on each of our conscience, our heart, to invite somebody maybe we had a quarrel with a year ago. Maybe it was a brother or sister. Maybe it was a long-distant friend. But somebody that's not expecting to, to hear from us. I ask you to put a burden on our hearts. Maybe it's some, that it's a person right next to them, where they work, or where they play, or whatever it is. And Father, that you'll put a burden up on our hearts. But Father, I'm asking you that before we can do such a thing, I know my video's got to match my audio. So I'm asking you, Lord, to convict us that we may change. We may not be perfect, but we are recovering sinners. And it's in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.